Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Thanks for downloading this show from PC1. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. for bringing it to you and all the great sponsors. Most of all, we couldn't do it with them. Because of them, the Eddie Trunk Podcast is free each week on iTunes and Podcast One with limited ads at no additional cost to you. Now, if you heard a sponsor that you want to try out or you forgot a sponsor, you want to see a list, you can access them by clicking on the Killer Deals button at podcastone.com and visiting the Eddie Trunk podcast page. We only approve sponsors that make sense for my audience, and each of my sponsors are listed there with the banners linked to the promotional deal and the promos listed by the brands. There's everything you need easily accessible in one place. Thanks to all our sponsors, and thanks to all of you for supporting them. In addition, the Eddie Trunk Podcast is a participant in the Amazon Associates Program, an affiliate advertising program designed to provide the means for me to earn fees by linking to Amazon.com and affiliated sites. You can link to Amazon at PodcastOne.com. Welcome to another week, everybody. Hope you guys are doing well. If you're listening to this on post day, I am on a plane headed to Tulsa, Oklahoma, a place where I have Spent a lot of time in the last 10 years, mostly because of the birth of Rocklahoma there and me hosting that, although this trip is not for Rocklahoma. I'm headed there, and assuming I land in time, I'm going to go see Alice Cooper, who coincidentally happens to be playing there when I, I land. And then uh, tomorrow, Friday, hosting a show with Dokken in Tulsa at the IDL Ballroom. And then from there, on Saturday, I fly to Los Angeles where I will be hosting the Ride for Ronnie for the Dio Cancer Fund in Encino. And that'll be happening this coming Sunday. And then I'm staying in L.A. the entire next week, where I'll be doing my SiriusXM volume show live each day, Monday through Friday. So hope you guys are enjoying that. Hope you have a chance to listen. If you have SiriusXM, Channel 106, live every day, rock talk from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time with me. Replay every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern time. 
and also on demand on the SiriusXM app. And most of the interviews that you get here on the Eddie Trunk Podcast, uh, they are some, certainly far from all, but some of the interviews that I do each and every day on my show on volume on SiriusXM. So looking forward to spending some time in L.A. And then I'm home for a couple weeks and then back to Tulsa, where I'll spend about a week and a half uh, this time hosting Rocklahoma and then hosting a Tom Kiefer show. So if you're in Tulsa or that area, it's uh, becoming my home away from home, it seems. And I'll see a lot of you guys out there very, very soon. So we got a, another great podcast for you this week. First up, Ricky Rocket, the drummer from Poison. Poison recently reunited. They are currently touring with Def Leppard and Tesla. We get an update from the road from Ricky about the status of the band, his thoughts about the band going forward, and most importantly when it comes to Ricky, his health. Because for those that haven't followed closely, Ricky Rocket has battled cancer, news that he broke on my radio show about a year and a half ago when he was first diagnosed. Thankfully, as you're about to hear in the interview, he's doing quite well, and that's a great thing. And it seems like Poison's doing pretty well, too. And where they go from here is anyone's guess. You'll get a read, though, from Ricky Rocket coming up in just a few minutes. Second half of the Double Dip podcast this week, Ice-T in the studio with me from my SiriusXM volume show, rapper, actor, and metal singer. That's right, in case you were unaware, Ice-T is also a lead singer in the metal band Body Count. I attended a, a party for the new Body Count album in New York City. Had a chance to meet Ice-T there for the first time. Very engaging guy. Didn't know he was originally a Jersey guy before relocating to Los Angeles. And real legit metal fan. And it was really cool to meet him and talk to him. And when we had a brief meeting at his record release party, I said, you know, Ice, why don't you come on and uh, spend some time on the radio show if you get a chance around your shooting schedule with Law & Order and all that? And he was willing to do it. And I tell you, I spent an hour with Ice-T, and I could have easily done the entire show with him. I had to let him go because we had a second interview that day with The Pretty Reckless, which I'll bring to you in the near future. Taylor came in with Ben. So um, I think you'll find it real interesting, though, to, to hear from Ice-T and the, the, the crossover between rap and hip-hop and metal and how it kind of connected with him, which is something that he brings to his band Body Count. So a great double dip, great variety this week, going from the drummer in Poison to Ice-T, but all bonded by their love of rock music. And that's what we are all about on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Again, this podcast is new each and every Thursday, podcast1.com and iTunes. Thank you guys for listening, sharing the word about it, streaming it, downloading it, whatever the case may be. Wherever I go, I hear from people that love the podcast, and I greatly appreciate you listening. And I will remind you, though, once again, if you love the podcast, I cannot recommend more highly enough that you check out my show on SiriusXM. If you don't have SiriusXM, Maybe try the trial subscription, free for 30 days. Get a sense of what I'm doing over on volume. It's If you're into this world of what I'm doing on this, you will love getting it live and different interviews and commentary and phone calls and interactivity every single day, Monday through Friday with replays on the weekend 
all on Sirius XM. Don't forget, I got a terrestrial radio show as well. Thanks to all the cities that run that. My social media, eddytrunk.com, at eddytrunk on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. People asking if I'm still selling signed copies of my books. The answer is yes. You can get them on eddytrunk.com, U.S. shipping only. I'll personalize them, sign them, send them out to you. And you can get my books anywhere else, unsigned, Amazon, or wherever you buy books. Real quick note, too, I want to tell everybody a big thanks to everybody I met and hung out with at the M3 Rock Festival, the first festival of the season that I host and that I go to. It was last weekend at Columbia in Columbia, Maryland, Meriwether Post Pavilion. Had a great time. Thanks to all the artists. Thanks to all the fans. And thanks, Tim3, for having me back as the host this year. Lita Ford did some hosting with me, too. That was a lot of fun. And if you haven't been to this venue before in Columbia, Maryland, uh, Meriwether Post Pavilion, they just put millions of dollars into this place. It looks unbelievable. The first venue I've ever been to in my life, they actually had a in-ground swimming pool, sauna, <laughs> changing rooms, all backstage for the artists. Really pretty remarkable venue, and they're still putting money into it and still building it up, so definitely worth checking out. Although right now you wouldn't see all that much of a difference unless you were lucky enough to be backstage and see those amenities, but should you be, it's a a pretty cool scene. All right, we're going to do a little break. We're going to talk to Ricky Rocket, and then that will be followed by my interview with Ice-T. A diverse double dip in the world of rock music for you on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. We'll get into it right after this. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. You know the deal, True Car is awesome. And there's something about True Car a lot of people don't know, that using True Car can also help them buy a used car. In fact, there are over 700 Thousand pre-owned vehicles available from True Car certified dealers nationwide. Whether you're looking to buy new or used, you can get upfront pricing information that empowers and discounts off the first uh, discounts. I should say off the list price for used cars and a better buying experience through the True Car certified dealer network. There's over seven hundred thousand pre-owned vehicles, folks, all available from True Car certified dealers nationwide. You'll see what other people paid for the car you want, so you can know what a fair price is. And feel confident. With True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing. That's right. You pick them and you can enjoy a quick, easy buying experience. Using True Car, you can easily find the new or used car you want. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. I'm Mick Garris. When it comes to horror, you might know me as a writer, producer, and director. But I also love making people open up. I'm getting together with the most fascinating people in fright filmmaking. I'm going to pick their brains and find out what they know. But if they've got any secrets they're determined to keep, I have ways of making them talk. Download new episodes of Postmortem with Mick Garris every other Wednesday at PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe on iTunes. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. All 
All right, let's get into it. Our first guest on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast is Ricky Rocket, the drummer in Poison. This is a new interview from maybe about two weeks ago, and Ricky called in just at the start of the Poison Def Leppard tour, gave us an update on the tour, an update on the future of Poison. We talk about Devil City Angels, his other band, and most importantly, talk about the status of his health. So let's get into it. This comes from my Sirius XM volume show. Ricky Rocket from Poison calling in from the tour with Def Leppard here on the Eddie Trunk podcast. Ricky, how are you, buddy? How you doing, Eddie? Nice to hear. Nice to hear your voice. And by you the way, too. if it was up to my daughter, Lucy, you would be president. I don't really? know. I think you shared that little thing I sent you where I said, who's going to win, Hillary or Trump? And she said, Trunk. And I said, okay, Eddie Trunk for president. I'm all for that. <laughs> oh, I did see that. That's right. I do remember that. Well, the the funny thing is, Ricky, that I probably, if I would have thrown my hat in the ring, I may have won over the other two. <laughs> you may have. You may, I don't know if you'd have the Russians on your side, but you would have had Lucy on your side. <laughs> I would have had I would have had Lucy, absolutely. And I mean, what else would I need? You know, at least I would have had the rock audience on my side. I think we would have won for that at least. Uh, definitely, without a doubt. Anyway, how you yeah, doing, bud? Doing how you feeling, man? Here. We're doing great out here, man. It's uh, uh, you know, just I mean, gosh, we've only been out a couple of weeks, but uh, every show's been totally to the gills, and uh, uh, it's it's been really, really fun. There's been a lot of energy, and um, I'm doing good. You know, medically, I'm good, and uh, I'm you know, it's a very good experience right now. Well, I was going to ask you what it was like, because it's it's been a while since you were out with Poison, and it's been a while since Poison was active, and I know that it's something that you guys all very much seem to want to do, so now that you guys are back out there, and I mean, when you talk about Poison, obviously there's some history about what the vibe is like with the four of you guys. I mean, how's it feeling? How's the, the vibe between everybody? It's been really good. Honestly, it has. Uh, there hasn't been really any problems or any of that stuff. It's been very mature uh, on one hand and very fun on the other. And we've been doing a lot of meet and greets together, and I think that's good as well. People have had a chance to meet all four of us at the same time. And, it you know, it doesn't seem divided. It feels really cohesive and insistent. Well, that's good. I mean, Brett sent out that photo, which got a lot of traction when you guys were in rehearsal for the tour and saying, you know, whatever it said, something like day three of rehearsal, we haven't killed each other yet. <laughs> everybody <laughs> was smiling and it looked, everybody looked happy in the photo. It looked very legit. So, yeah, no, it was. It was, uh, you know, definitely we have, you know, the things that we disagree on, but I think we've been pretty adult about handling all of it so far. Now, this is only a couple of weeks in, so give us a little time, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, by by tomorrow night in Louisville, somebody Bobby might be back to throwing his base at uh, at Brett or something. I, I was I, I was I, go ahead. What were you saying? You no, know, I was going to say, I, yeah, I can only hope that he throws a base somewhere because that's always exciting. well i was telling this story earlier on the air to the audience because there was that i always go back to that story like uh i think it was oh six and you guys had just done that album poisoned and i came to la and we shot an interview with uh, with everybody at henson and it was just after you you guys had that on stage sort of thing whatever went on there and i remember 
like yesterday asking everybody on camera like what happened there and the four of you all just looked at each other and nobody could really figure out what it was about <laughs> and you all had a laugh and you go you know we never really quite figured that out you know i think it was just probably just a lot of stress and tension and you know uh you know you aimed it at each other you know what i mean and um, you know, things can get tense on, on the road and tense in a band that's been together for this long. Um, and then, you know, so you're going to go through peaks and valleys of your ability to kind of cope with it. And depending on what's going on in your personal life and all those sorts of things all play into it. You know what I mean? Um, and a lot of times, you know, rock bands, uh, you know, suffer from Peter Pan syndrome. You know, we don't grow up a lot of times. And, uh, and that's a shame because it can result in things that you can't undo later in life. And thank God we haven't really hit that. You know what I mean? We're still here after all these years, as they say. Do you do you think that some of the um, tension or dysfunction that that people uh, think is around poison? Do you think of, do you think some of it's overblown? Do you think it's really not all that much more than some of the other bands? It's just that for whatever reason, it kind of comes out a little bit more through you guys. Um, yeah, for I think maybe we're more public about it too. You know what I mean? I think that, you know, people have seen that Brett has gone and done a lot of solo stuff while Poison was on the sidelines at times. And I think people jumped to conclusions and gone, well, they're fighting and, and that's what's going on. And that's why we're not, that's why they're not playing. And, uh, and you know, so, so it's foregone conclusion. I think a lot of it. So I think you're right. Well, how has that played into Poison? I mean, Brett has and, and is, and, and I mean, already there's still solo dates and stuff coming. So he has been, for years now, extremely focused on his solo thing and being out there and doing his own band. I mean, I've talked to him many, many times about it and the various things that he does. Um, that obviously does have to have some impact on Poison. I know you guys all went out without him and did a couple shows under the name The Special Guest. Was that intended to kind of light a little fire to pull him back into the fold? Well, um, first of all, let me answer the first part of it. Um, you know, there's, there's no secrets with that. I mean, I've told Brett exactly how I feel about this stuff. I don't care if anybody in this band does side things. I think it's healthy. Honestly, I do. Uh, to be a, just play the same songs and work with just the same people over and over and over again, you know, can become stale. And you do have to do some things. Um, however, uh, I think that he, I think that, Brett has taken it a little too far at times um, and he needs to come back to the fray a little bit. And I think we should make uh, more poison music, make a record. He knows I feel that well, there's no secret there. I'm not talking behind his back and I'm not talking shit. Um, as, as far as, uh, let me see, what was the second part of the question? I, I'm ADHD. When so you, no, I'm sorry, when you went out and when you went out and did those dates with uh, with Brandon Gibb and uh, oh, right. you know with the three of you guys, what that was, uh, where that stands, and was that done really to just kind of maybe shoot up a flare and say, hey, hey, dude, come on, let's go do something. Well, a little bit, but it was more like we got asked to do those, and we got kind of excited to do it, and then he had some other things pending that he chose to do instead. And we just kind of were like, hey, you know, we talked to the promoter and said, what if we did this and we use Brandon? Because Brandon Brandon and I were getting a lot of traction with Devil City at the time. And right. uh, so, you know, it kind of made sense. You know what I mean? Like, why not do these gigs? So Bobby and CeCe are ready to do it. 
you know, why should we just sit home because Brett's going to do something else? And we, yeah, a little bit, it was kind of like, see, we can do this too. Um, but it, it wasn't to like break up the band over it. Like it wasn't intended to do that. It was just more or less, you know, Hey, we're going to, we're not going to sit on the sidelines, you know? Uh, and I think it was really cool, quite frankly. Um, I, uh, we got a lot of really positive response from that. It was really a, a fun gig. You know, I'm used to working with Brandon. It was a little different for Bobby and Cece, but Brandon and I do quite a, quite a number of shows together, whether it's double city or it's acoustic or whatever, you know? Right. Well, I'll touch on that in a second, but that being said, you know, I mean, I know you're doing poison and you've got dates uh, right now scheduled uh, wrapping up June 25th, the last scheduled show in, in, in Indianapolis. So, after this run is done, uh, w- w- is that would you? Is there any point that you guys would consider going back to that if Brett didn't want to continue or make a record or do stuff? Would you revisit? You were calling that band the special guest. I mean, would you would you revisit that again at some point, or was that really just done for in the moment, or or is it more of a back burner thing? Like, hey, yeah, we could always go do that if we want to get out and play, and Brett's not available. Well, maybe. Uh, well, you know, honestly, we haven't talked about it. Really, we haven't. Um, but I do think that we do need to have that conversation and find out what we are doing going forward, because I think people don't want poison to be gone. And I don't. Uh, I don't think any of us do, really. I think that it's 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 a painful process, uh, this band. Uh, at least it's perceived that we're going to go through this painful process with anything we do. And then here we go into rehearsals and on a tour and it's not painful. It's fine. And it's fun. So maybe everybody will see that that is really a, you know, a viable option to go forward and do more poison stuff. You know, if, 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 if Brett wouldn't want to do it, then I would want to have that conversation, you know, I really you know would. What? Now, Devil City isn't over either. So, you know. Yeah, I wanted to, I want to get I, I don't want all these mix and match bands. I can get really frustrating. Right, totally. Totally. And I wanted to ask you about the status of uh of Devil City Angels in a second, but before we go to that, you know, you touched on it a second ago and when I told people that you were coming on, the one thing that I got the most emails and people telling me, ask Ricky about is new music. And it's been a while since there's been a new poison studio record. You've already said it's something you'd like to do, but have, have you, has there been a discussion amongst the four of you? If everybody is on board with that, if there's any interest in that, I mean, that being said, I mean, it, it's notoriously hard for, for classic bass bands to sell new music these days, but creatively, I'm sure it's something you'd like to do, and I'm sure there's a, a good portion of your fan base that would love to hear what sort of music, new new music Poison would make in, in 2017. So so where do you stand on that? Well, I, there has been talk about doing at least one song, because I know that could happen. I mean, we find ourselves in a position right now, Eddie, where it's like, we're in a singles market. It's like back to the fifties again. Uh, you know, I know, I know you've seen this and that's not where we came from. I mean, we had a lot of singles and we had top 10 hits and we had, uh, you know, VH one, I mean, uh, MTV video hits. So, I mean, you could say that we came in that way, but it was our relentless touring and the fact that we did do cohesive records that really created our fan base i think in the long run i think those singles is what put us in the spotlight to be able to capture that audience you know what i mean so for us to all of a sudden become like a quote-unquote singles band like some of these bands you know 
you know, I don't know if everybody listens to the rest of the 21 Pilots record except for their single. I don't know that answer. But it seems like if you look at sales, it looks like people are just downloading the singles to things these days. So in some ways, it makes sense to just start with doing a single, you know, which would be the proving ground. I don't know how that would go for Poison. You know, we've always walked in and done a whole record, you know what I mean? And uh, maybe we do three songs, you know. I would like to do a whole record. I'm a studio rat. I love being in the studio. I love live you know, but I love being in the studio too. I think it's great. I love that creative process. I, I think you, you mentioned a band like 21 Pilots, which of course is a newer band and a, a very big band, but I, I think maybe some of the newer rules would apply to them. But I think my take would be fans of Poison for the most part would, would also love, and I still think there's a lot to be said for making a cohesive 10, 11 song record. I, I, I mean, I'm old school. I mean, I love that more than anything. I love the journey. I love the packaging. I love going from top to bottom and the journey that the record takes you on when you listen to it. I mean, I, to me, singles still feel sort of disposable when they're released as new music, and that's the only thing you're getting. But, you know, I hear what you're saying. I mean, listen, man, you've, you've seen it all. I mean, I, Poison's I a band... Poison, Poison's a band that started out on an indie label, went to a major label, and now here we are, whatever, 30-something years later, and it's the Wild West out there, so anything goes. Who knows what the right answers are? Well, right. Well, let, let me pick up on what you were saying. I think everything you said is absolutely true. You know, the album does take you on a journey, all that sort of stuff, and we that's the kind of band we're made of, okay? You know, however, um, you know, it's 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 hard to get the industry to support that, you know, and does that mean that we couldn't do it? That's almost a challenge in itself. Could we put out one song that moves the needle? You know what I mean? Because invariably it's one song that moves the needle on a record or the rest of the record gets overlooked anyway. Um, unfortunately, it's always been that way, quite frankly. I mean, there's exceptions, of course, but uh, general, I mean, there's the rushes of the world and things like that, but Generally speaking, that's that's how it is. You know what I mean? But you're right. You know, these newer bands have newer rules. So the older bands, you know, we subscribe to a different headspace. You know, I mean, you know, we used to all get together and go to somebody's house to listen to the new Foghat record or whatever. Yeah. You know, who had the best stereo system? That's where we're on. That's where we're taking our bottle of Jack. And that's where we're going to take our pod and we're going to go listen to that that record yeah. tonight. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I mean, yeah, we're... Yeah, we're around the same age. As a matter of fact, we have the same birthday, and uh, I'm right there with you. You know, I mean, I, I yes, completely, we do. We do. August, we're we're August eighthers here together on on the uh, on the radio. But yeah, I mean, we, we, you know, that that's totally it. And I think that I think bands, and I don't care if it's a band that had massive success in the '80s, like Poison did, or or a band that even had lesser success. I think that I think that the whole reason to make new music for bands like that is to do it for yourself do it because creatively you you want to let the juices flow and do your thing and do it for the fans that truly do care and want to embrace new music the the idea unfortunately i think of of that of the of of new music from from classic rooted bands and this goes for the biggest bands in the world even the stones whatever it it, it the idea of it it driving a tour and having hit singles and having all this success I, I think that's unfortunately not going to really happen. I think you're going to sell to your base. I think that the base will be really excited that there's new music. 
for the artist creatively, it's it's something cool to be able to put out and have it out there. And the chips fall where they may. Maybe you get lucky, but for the most part, I think it's something you do for your real ba- hardcore base and for you guys as musicians. Well, here's a thought. Okay, this is kind of crazy, but you know, let's pretend that Poison does have another ten years left in us. Okay, touring every year, a couple of months, two, three months, four months, however many months it is a year okay and we put out one single a year you know within 10 years we have 10 singles if we did 10 albums you'd only add one song to the set every year anyway so (laughs) you know what i mean i mean it's just another way of looking at it you know we do and you'd never get 10 albums out of us in 10 years you you know what i mean um so it's just a different way of looking at it um so I, I, I would I love albums as well, and I do love that journey. All those things you said are just so practical to me, and you know that's rock and roll uh, the way we grew up with it. But it's not the only way necessarily. I would love to just be able to do. I mean, if we can just eke out two or three songs a year, it would be I'd be happy at this point. <laughs> right now, we're not getting anything new out of us. Right. Right. Hey, hey! listen, do you have a few more minutes uh, for me? Because I want to talk Absolutely. to you about a few other things. All right, cool. So we're going to put you on hold, uh, take a break, and then we're going to come back. I want to talk to you about a couple other things. I also want to talk to you overall about how it is uh, touring with uh, Leopard and Tesla. You're out there right now for people uh, who are, you know, wherever you are listening to the show. Just go to poisonweb.com and find a date and see if uh, the guys are coming your way. Tomorrow night they are in Louisville. And then they go to Nashville, and it keeps going from there all the way through uh, the last date now scheduled for June 25th in Indianapolis. So there's a lot of shows in there. Also, we have a lot of listeners in Canada. You're jumping up to Canada as well. So everybody just go to the website, find a date near you. Of course, Poison, most of the shows are with Def Leppard and Tesla. We'll come. We'll take a quick break. We'll come right back from this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. You know, I was just uh, doing my radio show the other day, and somebody called in to me, and they said, Hey, Eddie, did you read this book yet? Did you read that book yet? Did you read this book? And I said to these people, I said, I would love to read all these books, but sometimes it's so hard to find the time, right? It takes a lot to sit down and read, and you can't do it when you're driving, of course, or or doing chores or running around. It takes a lot of focus, but no, there's a solution. And that solution is audible. Audible Audible.com, ladies and gentlemen. And that's a great way to listen to books and check this out. Today's podcast is brought to you by audible and you can get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at audibletrial.com slash trunk. Over 180,000 titles to choose from. Your iPhone, your Android, your Kindle, your MP3 player, whatever the case may be. So it doesn't matter where you are. You can still take in books. It really is an awesome service. And Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You, the listeners of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, The Girl on the Train, The Hobbit, Divergent, Lean In. All examples of what you can get for free right now if you want. Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash trunk, T-R-U-N-K. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trunk for your free audiobook. 
Everyone sells today. So how do you bring your best sales game every day? Simple. Listen to the Advanced Selling Podcast on Podcast One. Hi, I'm Bill Kasky. And I'm Brian Neal. Each week, we answer listener questions like, how do I compete against a cheap competitor? And Brian's favorite, because he always has an answer to this, how do I meet with a CEO when they won't even return my calls? The Advanced Selling Podcast is where the best go to get better. Listen Mondays on Podcast One and on iTunes. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Poison are currently out there on tour. Go to poisonweb.com, find a date near you, and go check out the guys who are currently out with Def Leppard and Tesla. And, Ricky, that's where I wanted to pick up the conversation. How has it been being out with both of those bands? I imagine uh, it's a great bill. I imagine it's a good time. The first band to come out on stage nude gets a bonus at the end of the tour, we're being told. (laughs) So we're going to do that tomorrow night. So come out to the show. (laughs) Has there been some Uh, pranking going on? Has there been a a lot of good interaction between you guys? Imagine everybody's friends and gets along. Uh, I, yes, I like all the, uh, literally I like both bands and I like all the members of all the bands. Literally. They're really, really good guys. Um, Yeah. And uh, it's, I mean, this is our third time with Leopard and uh, we multiple times we've been uh, done shows with Tesla and we did a tour back in the day. Those guys haven't changed at all. I mean, they're just super, super nice people and they're really talented guys. So it's, it's a pleasure to watch them every night too. Yeah. And what about Leopard? I mean, you said you have some history. What did it make? Was it uh, was that a driver in you guys pulling it back together for this tour to go out with them again? Was there did that add some incentive to pulling it all together again? Well, it made it easier because there's a, a somewhat less logistics when you're not headlining. But we have added some headlining shows now. As a matter of fact, this as early as this weekend. And uh, so there are more logistics, which puts more pressure. You know what I mean? There's more songs. You play longer. You know, it's just everything's more and more and more when you're headlining. You know, in, in the slot with Def Leppard, you know, it's just a little bit simpler. You know, we it's 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 a little less time. We're playing our hits top to bottom and, you know, and then we get out of there. But um, no, it's uh, it, it definitely was an incentive. Yeah. But one of the things that I had heard from people who have seen the show is the fact that the not only did the band seem to work so well together, but from a production standpoint, everybody's raving about what your stage and your lighting looks like and then how that transitions into what Leopard does with their set. They, 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 every, people have made comments to me about that that have seen the show, that it's very well sort of seems seamless the way it kind of transitions between the two bands. It doesn't take long to, to set up between bands and Leopard's been extremely liberal about, you know, the stuff that we're using, you know, we're allowed to use that front thrust and, uh, you know, the led screens and that kind of stuff. Now, of course they have more stuff, you know, when they come on, there's a headliner on this one, so they should. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, man, it's been, it's been really great. And, and the, the light show looks great. I mean, it, and, and the sound is just phenomenal. Um, I mean, we, we have all the, all the good stuff this time out for sure. Yeah. Your, your tour manager and my good friend, Larry Miranda sent me a, a mm-hmm. few photos from the front of the stage that just looked unbelievable with the lighting and stuff. Looked very, very cool. It looks great. I'm like, I'm not that guy in that picture. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, before I let you go, let me ask you, you mentioned earlier, and for people that don't know, Ricky had uh, or has a band called Devil City Angels that is uh, with Brandon Gibbs and Tracy Guns. And um, give us a little update on the status of that band. Is it still a going concern for you? And where do things stand? Well, the thing that kind of sucked about that uh, whole situation was that just as we were getting really good positive traction uh, is when I got sick. And so, you know, everybody had to go do what they were going to do. And that included Tracy, who can't sit still for five minutes, which is a a good thing, you know. But um, he's been busy with with L.A. Guns again, which is great. I love to see that. Um, In fact, I want to go see it play with L.A. Guns. So um, when Brandon and I have done a few shows, we've used um, Joel Koch from uh, Collective Soul, and we've had a little bit of a revolving door. We've had Eric come back to the fray from Cinderella. Uh, He's played bass for us, and we've had Chuck Garrick from Alice Cooper play. So between those two guys, that's who we've been using on bass. So Devil City is not over by any stretch. And Eric actually has been playing in Brett's solo band, so there's a little bit of a crossover there. Yeah, there is. This stuff all gets very complicated, doesn't it? <laughs> it's, it's very incestuous, Ricky. <laughs> it, it, it is very incestuous. But, uh, so, you know, I, I'm my goal is to find, you know, players that will, you know, seat a little more comfortably in Devil City Angels. I think Joel is definitely that guy. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I think he's, he's going to stick around. Um, I don't know that Tracy will come back, quite frankly. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to push him. I know what he's got going on, and that's totally fine. And, and uh, you know, if this is this is an easy way of, of Brandon and I getting out there and doing those songs. And uh, your drum studio and the work you were doing with your drums, how's that going? Well, same thing. You know, when I got sick, I really had to sideline it, uh, and uh, which was a drag because I've been doing it 11 years. Um, so, you know, I went to, you know, the people that I've been going to for a very long time for shells and for help, and that's, you know, John Good and the crew over at Drum Workshop. And so they built me a kit for this tour because I did not have a shop or, or the manpower to, to build something. Um so I, I can actually, I'm actually working with a shop in Northern California to uh, to actually design custom stuff for DW and go through that shop, and uh, and that's how I'm actually exercising those muscles right now. <laughs> Got it. And listen, here's the most important thing of all of this because, and you mentioned it a few times, and we mentioned it at the start of the conversation, just in wrapping up. I mean. It was not too long ago that you called me and uh, wanted to come on my radio show to discuss for the first time that you had had cancer and that what you were dealing with and up against. And we had a you know great conversation that day, and I appreciate you you coming on and uh, and and doing that with me. But most important, above and beyond all of this, of course, nothing's more important than your health. So what 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 is the prognosis? Where do you stand now? Are you free and clear? Are you still getting treatments? I mean, where are things at with you? <clears throat> I'm free and clear. Uh, When I was on your show, I was not yet. I had gone through treatment and I was recovering. I was going, I had gone through standard of care, chemo and radiation. And so three months after radiation, they do the first scan. I had not gotten my first scan when I was on your show. And the reason it takes so long is because everything swells up and they can't tell what the heck's going on until that swelling calms down. 
And so I went and got the scan and I was not clear. It was persistent. And uh, th- this is a very curable cancer, typically. Uh, but when, when, you know, when it doesn't cure, then it opens up a whole set of problems because now you've done chemo and radiation. So now what do you do? You do more radiation to buy or more chemo to buy time. You, there's surgery. The surgery option was to remove my tongue completely. So I would have been a mute and on a feeding tube the rest of my life. And then there was this other option that was kind of novel and cutting edge, and that was immunotherapy. And so I traveled to San Diego and met with Dr. Ezra Cohen, who's the head uh, down there of head neck cancer immunotherapy. And he put me on a trial. And within nine weeks, I was in 90% remission. With 18 weeks, I was completely clear right down to the metabolic level because they're actually circulating DNA cell tests now to, to check metabolic, any free-floating cancer. There's nothing wow. in my body right now. Wow, man, that's amazingly great news. Congratulations. That is awesome. Um, did, did you have what you had? Was it similar to what Bruce Dickinson had? It was exactly what Bruce Dickinson had. It, Bruce was lucky where he, you know, it worked for him. The treatment worked, uh, and mine did not. Mine was chemo and radiation resistant. And the the Uh, treatment that you ended up having, the immunotherapy that you ended up having, is that is there is there like you know chemo's known for having the the side effects and really knocking knocking the shit out of you when you're dealing with immunotherapy? Is the is the are the side effects severe or is it is it not so much? Not the kind of, that I had was was not at all. It was it was great. I mean, comparatively, it was. I mean, you know, there was some stomach issues a little bit. Um, I can't even really remember some fatigue, you know, but that's because my body was fighting the cancer. So of course it was fatigue. So that's not really a side effect as much as it's you know telling you what's going on. Um, it you know I am such a proponent because it saved me. And I think it can save a lot of people from getting, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's always, you know, the cut, the cut, burn and poison. That's what, that's what they do for, for cancer, you know, is surgery, you know, they burn you with radiation or they use, you know, very harsh chemical uh, chemo. Um, and this bypasses, it escapes you from all those things. And uh, I mean, unfortunately, it's not for every cancer yet. Um, they're working on it. They're getting closer every day for it working, but it's worked for a lot of cancers, and uh, it's working every day for it. So it's now and future. That's what's amazing about it. Um, and uh, so that's why I'm like a huge proponent of it because I want to see less people suffer. I hear every day about somebody that's got surgery or chemo or radiation and they're suffering with it. And I just sit there and think if they were on immunotherapy, they might be able to just bypass this whole freaking thing and be fine within, you know, a few months. Right. Uh, so, so just finally, so for you is there's not beyond getting checked and making sure that it's, it's not coming back and that everything is cool. You, there's no maintenance stuff you have to do. You're, you're, you're just, you're just living your life. You're, you're, you're free and clear. Your voice sounds fine. I mean, when you were on my show to talk about it and I'd seen you before that you were doing some acoustic shows with Brandon. I mean, you could barely speak. So, I mean, it's, you, you sound great. Is it just a case now of just keeping an eye on things? Yes. Definitely. Um, you know, they'll scan me, they'll keep a pretty, you know, serious eye on me for a while. And then that'll loosen up over time. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's what it is. I mean, you know, there are certain 
things that happened to me, you know, through the radiation, you know, I don't swallow as well and my salivary glands have been depleted. You know what I mean? So those two things will always be a problem. Uh, maybe they'll get better. I hope so. I seem to be getting better with it. I can eat fairly well now. There's really very few things. I can eat anything. It's just some things take longer. I need a lot of water. But, um, you know, but that's it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful and happy to be here. You didn't speak to Bruce Dickinson. You guys didn't trade notes on or anything on that uh, on it, did you? Do you know him at all? You know, I've met him twice, and I've always thought he was very nice. Excuse me, very nice. Um, but no, we didn't speak uh, about it. And I can understand that a little bit. I think maybe, uh, I think he knew that I was trying to reach out to him, but I think it was one of those kind of things where maybe he was kind of like, you know, I've been through it. I want to move on. I feel like yeah. that sometimes. The only reason I keep doing these things for immunotherapy is I want other, you know, if this was just standard of care, I wouldn't want to talk about it. That cured me. But, uh, and, and it's not technically cured yet, but it's clinically cured. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, the fact that I want other people to be able to do immunotherapy and not do standard of care is, and, and listen, standard of care has cured a lot of people, don't get me wrong, but the, the immunotherapy is definitely where it's going. It's a total shift, paradigm shift, you know, in, in how people think about curing cancer. So, you know, maybe he just doesn't want to talk about it. I get my days where it's just like, God, you know, I'm having a good day. I don't want to talk about it right now. Right, you know? right. No, I can see that. But, sure, you, you you wage the war and now it's kind of, you want to put it behind you. Oh, I have post-traumatic stress from it probably. You yeah. know, I mean, there's, I wake up at least six days out of seven days out of the week going, oh God, you know, oh no, 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 oh, okay, I got rid of that. Okay, I'm I'm okay. Yeah. Because I woke up every day for a year going, am I going to make it, you know? And that's a really shitty way to live. Yeah. Um, And uh, there's other people going through that fight. Now, I talked to um, Tom Hamilton at length, and, uh, you know, he's had two surgeries for it. And, you know, he talks like he's on helium because of of the damage that was done. And uh, what what a nice guy, by the way. I mean, he's awesome. Yeah, and, he is, uh, and and he, he has a hard time eating because of it. He told me. I mean, he he's super super thin, and he told me as he, he pretty much has to drink his meals. But I, I hope he's he's okay and and can you know manage it as well. I'm I'm up against the end of uh, this hour, Ricky, so I have to start to wrap up here. But I really appreciate okay. you taking some time out and uh, and and spending some time with us today. I wish you well both with your health and on the tour. And please say hi to all the guys and all the bands are all good friends, including of course your own band. Uh, Send, send my best to everybody. Huge thanks to Ricky Rocket for joining me on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Very happy to hear Ricky is doing well with his health. Good to have him checking in. And go see Poison out on tour now with Def Leppard and Tesla. A great triple bill that will be out there for yet another month or so. And we'll see what happens going forward with Poison. You can never tell in their camp how things are going to shake out. Appreciate the time from Ricky. Hope to get out there and catch a show myself soon. Coming back on the Eddie Trunk Podcast, interview number two of the week. I'll be joined by Ice-T. Stick around. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Well, I've been telling you about BarkBox for a few weeks now. It's really a tremendous service if you have a dog because BarkBox, they pick the best all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs. And then you can get the Bark Box delivered to your house whenever you'd like. Monthly, there's a box theme. 
You can get new and unique toys, keep your dogs engaged, interested, and happy. You get free shipping on any BarkBox within the continental USA. And when your dog loves something from the BarkBox, you can easily find it again at BarkShop.com or the app, or by texting them. It's really great customer service, great stuff. All the edibles for the dogs are made in the U.S. or Canada. 100% of the products are tested on their own animals. You can customize what you want. Your dog will love it. Your dog will love you even more. It's shipped to your door, unique variety of toys and treats you won't find anywhere else. All great stuff. You and your dog will be extra happy. So here's the deal. Go to BarkBox.com slash Trunk, T-R-U-N-K, my last name, of course, for a free extra month of BarkBox. That's GetBarkBox.com slash Trunk, T-R-U-N-K, when you subscribe, and you'll get a free extra month of BarkBox. Make sure you check it out. GetBarkBox.com slash Trunk. This is Norman Lear with my great sidekick, Paul Hip, Good to be here with you, Norman. On All of the Above. That's the name of my podcast, All of the Above. And uh, it's called All of the Above because we're going to talk about All of the Above. There isn't anything sacrosanct. There's nothing too above us or below uh, or us. Or below us. Well, certainly nothing too below us. But we have had guests you cannot believe. Yeah. Guests. Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Amazing. Yes. And America Ferrara. Jared Carmichael. Yes. Oh, Amy Poehler. How did we overlook? We didn't overlook Amy Poehler. I was saving her for last. And Charles Barkley, I was saving him for first, actually, because I didn't declare her first. I get to hang out with this guy. And this is your chance to hang out with Norman Lear a little bit here and some of these great guests. God, I wish I was you hanging out with Norman Lear. Yeah. <laughs> Son of a gun. See? That must be exciting. It's the yeah. best. I'm telling you. Don't miss all of the above with Norman Lear. Download new episodes every week on the Podcast One app or subscribe at podcastone.com. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome back, Eddie Trunk Podcast. This week, our second interview is with actor, rapper, metal fan, and metal singer in the band Body Count, Ice-T. It was great having Ice-T in the studio. I think you guys will certainly enjoy this interview, so let's get right into it with Ice-T on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Ice-T is here. Good to see you, man. What's up, Eddie, man? Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, good to have you here. And uh, we were just talking earlier. We got to meet at your record release party. Those are kind of like a rarity to actually have a release party. I, it wasn't my idea. You know, the label just told me this day we're going to have a release. And uh, we were at the Sonos store. Yeah. You know, they gave us a nice venue. You know, it was yeah. clean. I'm like, I hope we don't break anything. <laughs> but, you know, every all the different radio people showed up. And it's good. I mean, when you're making a record... It's such a long process, a long drawn out process, finally to like get the response of people and to be around people. It's 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 a nice vibe, you know. And that was the first time we had ever been around people outside of the band who had heard the record. Right. So we had a good night. Thankfully, yeah. people like it. Yeah, people liked it, and that's the thing too. You know, I worked in the music business for a long time back in the '80s. I was an A and R guy, mm-hmm. and I've seen, I've been in studios with bands, and I've seen how much they put into making a record yeah. from the very beginning to right through the through the mastering, every part of it. So to have that experience when you yeah. it can be a little daunting because you're like you're finally like revealing your child to everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I told you, I said it sound <laughs> making a record is kind of like. Having 
having a baby, it's like, you know, I mean, I know a woman carries a baby for nine months. You carry this baby sometimes a year, yeah. a year and a half. And then what happens is people get to hear some of it. and It's like they're doing a sonogram. And they're saying, well, it looks good. It looks healthy. <laughs> it looks healthy. And you think, and, and all these people give you these attitude. But until that record comes out, you don't know if your baby got one eye or one. Yeah, <laughs> you're, right, like, right. you're like, oh, it looked good from that side. But when they finally heard the whole record, but we had a healthy child. Did you ever have Bloodlust ex- is a healthy child. Yeah, we'll talk more about Bloodlust. But did you ever have an experience like that in your music career with any record that you made where you felt so good about it and then it hit and it didn't get the people didn't connect like you thought they were going um, to? Chuck D made a record called the B-Side Wins Again. Remember back in the day there were A and B-Sides of, of records? Yeah. You know, kids have no Singles, idea that. 45s, yeah. yeah. But, you know, a lot of times you'd put out a record and people would like the B-Side yeah. more yeah. than the song you thought was the hit. Right. So that happens occasionally. I mean, my first big hit rap record was called Six in the Morning, and it was a B-Side. Yeah. It was a B-Side. So that can happen. Um I mean, you know, music is such a, a shot in the dark. I mean, you have fans and they love you, but I compare making an album is kind of like you made a great apple pie and everybody loves it. Now you have to make another pie, but it can't be apple, but it's got to be taste just as good. <laughs> so now you make a cherry pie and they go, yeah, 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 yeah. But then the next year you have to make, it can't be apple or cherry. So pretty soon you start running out of flavors. Yeah. You say, oh my God. And so you're, you're going to have, you're going to have low moments where some of the records won't be as good as the other ones. It's just very difficult to, to continually to, to make new music, new ideas and stay at that level. Uh, I think this record we just finished might be the best one I've ever done, but I went in to the studio with a whole different mindset. I I talked so much mess about current music. I had said, you know, it's lacking content, it's lacking this, it's lacking that, and now I got to go in the studio. So you sometimes you gotta you gotta show and prove you just can't talk it now let's see what you really talking about ice so did you do a little bit of that to kind of like put a little pressure on you to up your own game was that to push you or is that just because you you say how you feel and you put it out there like that? i really i really felt it especially in hip-hop you know where i'm from originally is that i just feel it like it lacks content i, I love I, a lot of the music is really good the tracks are good but you know i'm being a lyricist I want to hear what you're saying. That's that's what I listen to. Like if you play piano, when you listen to a record, you're going to listen to piano. Good, lead, get, never let your lead guitar player mix the album. It'll be all lead. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So people tend to True. focus on what they do. You know, right. people need to focus on what they do, and it's be being a lyricist. So after you know making a few comments, I'm like, I have to really write some good stuff, and for a metal record, you know, for them to have so much commentary on the words, that's not really normal either. No, metal. that's not a big thing in metal. I mean, there's a few guys that, that stress that and really work on lyrics and things. But for you and, and, and for Body Count, I know that's a big part of it. Right. So now we got to match. So now if I'm going hard on the lyrics, we want to match the musicianship with it because I know that you know when you're playing metal you've got some of the best guitar players best drummers best bass in the world listening to your record and they're critiquing it along with listening to it right so we got Will Putney involved and uh 
He's just a super producer. I call him Dr. Dre of rock. The record sounds sonically unbelievable. It well, really, I mean, it's it just really, it punches you, man. It really hits you hard, and everything sits where it should sit. You talk about the mix. I mean, everything has its place. That was that was part of the, that was part of the game plan. My 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 note to him was: I want to fill up the car. I want every inch of this car to fill up with sound, like. You know, if there's a space over there, we'll put something that's that mid-range in that corner. And if there's a high missing, send one over here. Like, use the full spectrum of sound. Because now people have really good sound systems, especially in their car. Yeah. And, like, you know, I listen to lots of punk rock and stuff, and a lot of that stuff seems like it's just coming out of one speaker. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, we have the ability now. And Will, I mean, he's done Suicide Silence. He's done upon a burning body he's he uh, uh um that we were talking about uh um mike calls it sonic landscapes mm. like and so another thing he was able to do is like after we made the record since he's a guitar player he would come in and maybe add a sound here or a sound there just to fill it up to make it sound like it but that was part of the plan was t- to to hit lyrically, to hit riff-wise, to hit drum-wise, and to hit sonically. And you talk about sonic landscapes. I mean, that's a that's a really important thing because one of my peeves with the way records are made today, being a lifelong rock metal guy, mm. is that some of them are just what I, what they call uh, brick-walled, where it's just everything is slammed, like everybody's fighting to be the loudest. Mm-hmm. But that then takes away the dynamics from the record. Right. And what I like about your record and Bloodlust is that it's loud and it's punchy, like I said, mm-hmm. but there's still the dynamics in it. When you get up there in that vocal, I mean, it still creeps over the top. It really comes at well, you. I think that a producer is an essential member of your group. Like, uh, Will is like uh, the phantom member of our band. You know, yeah. he, he comes in and he he understands the way the band. Now, see, the best thing about it, uh, the, uh, what makes a really a good producer is he can go from si- uh, Suicide Silence and then do Body Count and make both bands sound the way they sound. Right. Not make us sound like them or vice versa. So... You know, then he has his his band, uh, Fit for an Autopsy. So all these different bands, but that's the key to being a great producer is to is to harness what that particular band is and make it sound its best. And um, you know, it's very it's very important. And, and I think a lot of times we would make records and we were so confident with the songs that we didn't really care who produced the record. And that's where we lost. We would make records that could have sound better but they just didn't because the producer just wasn't capable well i think that's also a unfortunate byproduct of what's happened in the music industry i mean you've been in it for decades yourself mm-hmm. you've seen that i mean back in the day we just talked about how we were at the you had a record release party for this for for mm-hmm. at the sono story i mean back in the day every record that came out had some sort of record release party labels were important you mm-hmm. know producers there were budgets there were big studios it was done differently you're well, selling more records you're selling more records but I think that one of the things that's unfortunately gone away with those things going away is the quality control that comes with having A&R people, having good producers, having good studios, having labels attached. It, you're you're experienced. You you're a veteran of this. You mm-hmm. you Making can records. you can do it. Yeah, you can sort that out yourself. But for younger bands, some of those sort of uh, checkpoints are now gone. So anything can come out in the market. What happens is 
different people will make different albums and they'll set the bar. So say, for instance, if I'm doing a rock record and I like the body count record and that now becomes the bar to the sound, then you're going to tell your engineer, I need my record to sound like this. Yeah. So every once in a while, somebody has to do something that resets the bar. You know, uh, in hip hop, everybody wants their records to sound like Dr. Dre. That's why Dr. Dre got a billion dollars for a headphone deal just because, <laughs> I mean, Dre's never been anywhere with a solder and iron making headphones, <laughs> but you equate right. his sound of his mixes were so good that these headphones are going to make somebody else. It won't, but that's that's how they, they lined him up for that licensing deal. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's very important. It's important, uh, and we're finding that out, you know, and... Um, I, I I mean I listened to the record and I'm very happy with it and 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 a lot of people are so I'm you know that but all that goes to Will Putney you know we bring the record to him like when we make a rock record way we do it I I know there's a lot of different ways but we went to Arizona and the band gets in a studio and they all bring their riffs they got all these tapes and see and they play I write the records with but I, I can hum, but Ernie says you can hum on key. I can't play anything. So they'll start playing, and they'll play a riff, and I'll go, that one. And we have a recorder, and I'll catch it. Not a Pro Tools, just a little like cassette deck, uh-huh. and I'll catch it. And then we'll do it again, and I'll say that. Now I say, now stick that to that, and make that go eight bars, and then goes into that. Okay, and then I'll listen, I'll go, okay, now we need a slow part. And, that, and, and we just build it. And then when we're finished, we go, that shit sounds like the same record we made yesterday, <laughs> you know. Or and then that, you got to redo it yeah, all over again. Like, wait a minute, is is that Metallica we just made? Like, you know, because your your brain is hearing what sounds good, but sometimes it's hearing. That's why when I get ready to make a record, I don't listen to rock. Yeah, I gotta clear my brain. I was just yesterday. I was with um um damn um. Rock guy? I'm, I'm just, I'm having a, but oh, Harley Flanagan uh-huh. from Chromax. Yeah. And, and, and Harley was telling me that, yo, yo Ice, man, I'm like, I, I can't listen to the new BC record because I'm working on another record and, and I don't want it to, to infect yeah. my brain. I know guys that do that. It's smart. It actually makes a lot of sense. It'll infect my brain. Even subconsciously, even if you don't realize it, it, it can happen. Yeah. But like like I say in this album, our, our band has always been a cross of Black Sabbath when we go fast, we think we're Slayer, and when we get punkish, we think we're suicidal. And you actually, when you say you say that, mm-hmm. you actually say that on the record. Like, yeah. forget yeah. what song it is, but one of the songs right before "Raining Blood." Right. Oh, right. You do a cover of Slayer's "Raining Blood." Yeah. And right before you go into it, you lay it out. I explain it, and and it's nothing wrong with that because that's what you're inspired by. Yeah. You know, I think everybody who makes who before you play basketball, you sit on the sidelines. And you watch the game, and then you start picking up a ball, and you say, "Man, I want to play like Jordan, or I want to have handles like Iverson." It's nothing wrong when you heard Black Sabbath. You like, man, I want something that makes me feel like Black Sabbath. And when you hear like, "There goes the neighborhood," that first riff, that's Black Sabbath. It's it's, it's Sabbath ish, right? You know, we're not. It's it's that those big. That's that's who does that, and who goes fast and stops on a dime, Slayer. And that's Slayer, 
and then when we when we thrash out, that's more of a suicidal vibe. But then we take that music, we mash it together, and what makes us unique is I sing my lyrics, and I'm singing about the urban experience, black kids' experience from the first person. I understand it. And that's something that everyone can't sing about. If if I didn't grow up in the Lower East Side, I can't sing like the Cro-Mags because I didn't grow up there. But he can. Right. You know? So when I'm singing about South Central, you know, this is a first-hand account. Right. When I when you say you say it, I'm, I'm curious because before uh, the cover of, of Slayer's Raining Blood, which you do on the the new uh, the new album again. We're talking Ice T. Body Counts, the new album. Uh, Bloodlust is the name of it. Body Counts, the band. But you you actually come on on the record for people who haven't heard it, and you actually say it like it's yeah. on the actual yeah, record. Yeah, because, why, why did you have that decision? To actually, lay it out right because, into the song. You know why? Because like you know, people always asking this question. They're like, this seems like it's left field. Body Count. A lot of people don't know the band's been around over 25 years. This is what, the fifth record? Yeah. 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 I mean, Cop Killer album came out in 92. So we're not new. But there's still people that are just waking up. And also we got new fans. We got kids that have never heard it. So there's there's that, you know, question like Ice-T, he's on TV. Where did, where did this come from? Right. So what it is, Mike Gitter, he who was the A&R guy. Right. You know Mike? I do know Mike. Mike, Mike I said, Mike, on... Guess what? You're going to be on the record. Ask me the question. And he says, Ice, explain body count. And I explain it. And I think I think even though it's a talking section in the album, it's welcome. It, it, it sets up Slayer. It sets up the next song. Well, you're going into a song that if you're a metal fan is like so iconic yeah. and so cool. And it may, it, I, I thought it was very cool. I thought yeah. it, it, it kind of painted the picture, you know, yeah. before you got into it. It's a tribute. Yeah. It's a tribute. And the last album we covered, uh, Institutionalized. Suicide. But, yeah, but we updated it and I've made some more funny stories and stuff to go along with it. And I've used Sabbath on... My first rap album was called Rhyme Pays, and I used the hook from War Pigs on it. So that's when people say, well, you just get into rock. I'm like, well, if I just got into rock, why would my first rap album title cut have a War Pig sample? Right. You know, so. Uh, and then Ernie C. produced a Sabbath record. And I sung on and it. And you were on it, Forbidden, Lo- right? Yeah, Illusion of Power. Yeah. And did he, you actually get to go? I mean, that was a a version of Sabbath that wasn't the original guys. Right. Tony was still there, I know. Yeah. But did you actually get to go in with Tony and and meet Tony I didn't. and everything? Ernie did. Ernie did. Ernie went to uh, Wales or London or wherever they're from over there. Right. Some castle was recording and stuff. He said he had a blast, and uh, you know that was Sabbath. They called us up. You know, they called us up and said, "Hey, you know, we heard that you're fans of us. We're fans of you." And uh, would you guys come over here? I guess they felt we had a different energy or edge or something. But who gets a who gets a call from Black Sabbath to produce right. when you're some black kids from South Central L.A.? <laughs> but how dope is that? Yeah, it's you know, amazing. I mean, when I work with Slayer, when I did the Judgment Night soundtrack, I get a phone call and uh, Rick Rubin and them were like, "Yeah, well, they're doing this thing for a movie, and they had all the rock bands pick an artist that they would want to." a rap artist and Slayer picked me and uh, we did the exploited cover and you know to be side by side with Tom singing lyrics it was dope but I think what what fans don't understand is most musicians have a much more diverse musical taste than the fans Mm -hmm. you know like 
you 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 you'll be hanging out with Metallica and Lars will be bumping Easy E. Mm-hmm. Like you have no idea because we all get influences from other things and we say, well, how can I make that work or that storytelling style or you know? I remember I went to a Garth Brooks concert, right? I was in Vegas. I said, let me go check. Garth. Who's a big rock guy, big Kiss fan, and a big man. Yeah, like he's a big dude. Like he looks oh, he like is? He, yeah, Garth Brooks will knock you out. Really? Right? So, so I'm I'm like, I want to see what's going on. But when I, I studied Garth Brooks and I'm like, okay, here's here it is. You got the black hatted cowboys, you got the rhinestone cowboys, you got the outlaw cowboys. So they singing I got friends in low places. So they the gangsters of this particular So, you know, Johnny Cash says, I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. That sounds like the ghetto boys or something, you know. So I, I understood the dynamics and I found out that country western has a lot similarities with hip hop. Like they sing about their truck. We sing about their car. You know, we say, always bitching about our women and about our dog. You know, uh, we wear jeans and hats to the Grammys. So do country. And and uh, <laughs> and we they sell millions of records and everybody says, who bought them? You know, because they're, they're, they're singing from their neighborhood about their life and we, they don't care. So now you step over into the metal audience, which is just a bunch of people that like aggression. You know, and uh, they'll accept it as long as they feel it's honest, you know. So whether I'm singing about the police or, you know, somebody else is singing about, you know, just how 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 hard it is to to deal with their life. Metal kids get into that. They did, but they like aggression. You know, you, you, you're taking a risk slowing it down at a metal concert. You know, mm. the, the, once the pit stops, you might get run off the stage (laughs) (laughs) and you talk about the connection between rock and and metal and and hip-hop stuff for people that don't know there's um a lot of samples of rock riffs and things in hip-hop music as a matter of fact i don't know if you know this but the number one sampled rock artist in hip-hop is billy squire did yeah. you know that? The big beat. The exactly. The big beat. Ninety nine problems when Jay Z got the yeah, big boom, beat. Boom, 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 boom. But then ninety nine problems is my was your song. song, right? Yeah. So I mean, but but here one of my one of my favorite uh samples from hip hop is uh Channel Zero by Public Enemy who samples Angel of Death. So I mean, Tone Loke Wild Thing. Tone Loke was what? That was I think that was Van Halen. Some hit. That was Van Halen or something. No, Aerosmith. See, the thing with hip hop was always about taking music that was maybe not known in the hood and bringing it and playing it and not letting people know where the beat came from. You know, I used to rap over a Black Sabbath record. Now I don't know the name. I can't think of the record right now, but it's the one that goes, dun 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 off the first album, dun 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 boom 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 boom. It's a drum break in it. Yeah, I think it's um, it's off the first album. Any who's who's a Sabbath head knows. I'm, I feel very embarrassed. Well, I'm going to tell you right now because we're going to try to we're going to look it up for you right now. It, that's how the thing goes. Down, 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 down,
and it's had a break. Down, 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 down. Probably Evil Woman. Eight. Is it Evil Woman? It might be that. Is that on the first album? Yeah. Yeah, play, yeah. play it. Because that's all, I, be, I, I mean, as far as I think I know what you're saying, as far as what you're humming. It's, it's definitely Ozzy. The, the listeners are sitting there going, Ice, it's <laughs> Ice, you mother... Let me but, ask you this, while he's looking way, that up, yeah. while he's looking that up, when was the first time you heard metal music that moved you, that made you get on this I, path? Because if you think about this, man, I mean, you've got this... Here's the story. It happened when I was in junior high school. Uh, before I ever started making music, I, I my mother passed when I was in the third grade, and my father passed when I was in the seventh. And I was and you were born in New Jersey in yes, Newark, sir. right? And I moved to um, L.A. to live with my aunt. Well, I had a cousin named Earl who thought he was Jimi Hendrix. He he would smoke a lot of weed, do a lot of drugs, tie scarfs around his head, and play air guitar. And he thought he and so was, was he two, good? In the air, I guess so. I mean, never missed the beat. But 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 the dude, uh, we would listen to KLOS and KMET, right. two rock stations in LA. In LA right. And I couldn't touch his radio. So uh, here I am, a young kid throwing it. And so before I know it, I'm listening to Neil Young, Mott the Hoople, Eric Clapton, uh, T Rex, uh, Edgar Winter, Jay Giles Band, Black Sabbath, Blue Oyster Cult. I mean, I'm. You had no choice. Right. Couldn't touch the radio. And what happens is you may not like a particular music, but it, say if you worked at a restaurant, all they play is uh, reggae music. Eventually, you're going to say, well, these are my favorites because they keep playing. So now I'm listening to everybody from, you know, I, I know all about Neil Young, Cat Stevens, uh, uh, groups like uh, Leon Russell. So I, I, I'm, I'm learning the records, but I was always more intrigued with the heavier stuff because uh, you're right because that's great stuff but that's not heavy deep purple yeah but of course blue oyster cult black sabbath was to me the hardest of all of them at the time so still are probably right so i i i i had i burnt that black sabbath album out the one the first one with the lady with the green face right standing there and then i got into the paranoid album and other stuff and then also of course being a black kid i was in the hendrix so I was listening to lots of Hen Jimi Hendrix experiment, experience, um, Electric Lady Land, and all that stuff. Fast forward, I'm going to school. So what I'm listening to there, Parliament, James Brown, uh, you know, Funkadelic had a heavy rock influence. So I knew a lot about rock, and uh, you know, I I can do like you know rock trivia, just like I gave you the Billy Squire record, you know. So I know it, but. Be, not being a musician and not being a, 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 a being able to play instruments, it's kind of like something you'll just think you'll have. Yeah. So once I started getting into making music, I was like, well, I'm familiar with some sounds that you guys may not be familiar with. And we started, you know, pulling rock songs. Now, what made me want to do Body Count was seeing a mosh pit. Now, I was in Europe with a P.E., and the kids would mosh off a of rap. So 
I, I that's my first time actually, you know, because I in in L.A. you know you had Black Flag, you had all those groups playing the punk scene, but I had never been performing in front of a mosh pit, mm-hmm. you know. So when I first performed and I had the feeling of cats slamming into each other, it's like. I need this. Yeah. <laughs> it's much different than people jumping around. I was yeah, like, yeah. I need it. So I came back, excuse me, I came back, said, look, I got a guitar player. Let's make a band. Let's let's have fun with it. Let's just do it. And we first started playing at like uh, pizza joints and and just small gigs because I didn't, I, I, I just, it was just a side gig. And then when we broke Body Count at Lollapalooza, people were like dug it and i'm like this is a real band mm. we really should take this and get more serious yeah serious they are body count bloodlust that's the name of the new record there's some cool special guests on this too i want to touch on with ice tea we'll get you right back with more from this week's eddie trunk podcast this, this is the eddie trunk podcast Well, you guys have probably no doubt seen those commercials for these great new mattresses that everybody's raving about, right? These super comfortable mattresses, easy to set up. And then you go and you find out what they cost, and you're like, I can't afford that. Well, let me tell you about Casper. They are an online retailer of premium mattresses, just like the ones you see on TV, but for a fraction of the price. You know, the mattress industry, they've inherently forced consumers into paying notoriously high markups, but Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with the resellers and showrooms, passing that savings directly on to the consumer. I have a Casper. They're absolutely incredible, long-lasting, supporting comfort. Named one of Time's best inventions of 2015, the Casper mattress is the most awarded mattress of the decade, and the cost, like I said, a fraction of what you would expect to pay. They're obsessively engineered, shockingly fair prices, just the right sink, just the right bounce, and here's the best part, it's totally risk-free to try a Casper. Try sleeping on it for 100 days, you get free shipping and painless returns if you don't like it. It really is phenomenal. So here's the deal. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting caspertrial.com. C-A-S-P-E-R trial.com slash trunk. Use promo code 50sleep, 50sleep, to get $50 towards any mattress. caspertrial.com slash trunk, promo code 50sleep, terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm John Horn. This week on Geffen Playhouse Unscripted, we are joined by Josh Gad. Josh Gad. And as much as he wants you to believe that none of it is scripted, I'm telling you that even my name is in a paper in front of me and I'm reading it. And everything that I'm saying right now, I'm also reading. This is very meta. And it's phonetically spelled out, so you it's know how to say Josh Gad. And for some reason, it's also in Spanish. Yo soy Josh Gad. It's called Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. You could download it on the Podcast One app. You can hear it on Apple Podcast Or at podcastone.com. You are done. Thank you very much. This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Well, we're back with Ice-T, and we figured out that during the break that Behind the Wall of Sleep was the Sabbath song 
that he was talking about in that last segment. And I absolutely should have known that. I was just drawing a blank on what he was uh, referencing there. But that's pretty wild to think a young Ice T was rapping over that, and you could hear how that would work. So we pick up the conversation once again with Ice T talking to us a little bit more about the link between hip hop and metal. I had to cut out the music because we can't play music on the podcast, but in the radio show, we of course were playing those clips of the music, and that's why it uh, we had to do what we had to do. But it was behind the wall of sleep from Sabbath that Ice T was talking about, and we continue now talking with Ice T about the link between hip hop and metal. What what, what hip hop found out was that. Every record had a breakdown, and usually if you were out on the dance floor or whatever, metal, when that breakdown came in, that was the best part. So the DJs only would play the best parts. So they call that the breakdown. So they call them break beats. Then kids would dance to the break beats, and guess what they call them? Break dancers. There you go. So so this is all the history, but the, the cool thing was we played metal. We were into rock. We were into Billy Squire. We were into... uh. Aerosmith, before they hooked up with Run DMC, hip-hop always would go. Beastie Boys was using guitar hits. LL was using guitar hits. So, And then Anthrax, Public Enemy coming together would bring the noise. You know what it is? It's hardcore. Yeah, It's hardcore. It's rage. When you, when you connect New York City hardcore and all that kind of stuff, biohazard and all that stuff. Like Quincy Jones told me, he says, you want to do pop, just sing what everybody wants to hear. Go to school, love your mother. Don't you know? Just that's pop. Be popular. But when you do rock, you rock in the boat. I I'm not with it. I don't care what you say. I'm gonna do this my way. That's a punk attitude. That's a rock attitude. That's whatever you want to call it, hip hop. Whether you're apolitical and you don't care about anybody but yourself, or you want to try to express a feeling to people about a message or something, but it's all coming from the same energy, which is rebellion and aggression mostly. So like when I started making Body Count, I had two vehicles. So when I get start writing songs, I'm like, oh, that'll go, that's good for a rap album. <laughs> this is better for rock. Now on this album, there's two songs that originally were written for rap albums. One is God Forgive Me, which is kind of like a poetry, poetry, and the other one, Here I Go Again, the song about the serial killer. And I wrote that for a hip hop record and they was like, nah too hard too hard the rap audience will think you're gonna come skin them and kill them it's like you you've taken it too far so that audience won't get it so i had that record and then when we got into this record i said yo let me revisit this track and we wrote some riffs around it and it fits right in on bloodlust but it's written you know the, the the lyrical content is written like a rap it's it's very intricate much more intricate than a normal rock record. With your schedule now, as you mentioned, we were talking earlier, you lived in New Jersey a while because mm-hmm. Law & Order has uh, you know, taken a, a much bigger part of your time and your schedule than, than you and ever And paying most of the bills. And paying the bills, because <laughs> yeah, the music industry ain't, I'm sure. <laughs> it's, I'll tell you a funny story about rock. Uh, Ernie C. got in some tax problems, right? So yeah. basically he didn't pay him. And uh, he goes to deal with the IRS, and the lady pulls my taxes up. I'm like, why the fuck? I'm like, I, say, yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, I said, why the fuck you got the IRS lady looking at my stuff ever? <laughs> so she pulls my stuff up, and she's looking at his taxes. He's throwing you under the bus. Versus my taxes. <laughs> and she looks at him, and she goes, so this must be a hobby for ICE, this body count. <laughs> 
She goes, because I, I see the numbers here. And he goes, and he was so broke that she just let him go. She was just oh, like, you know nice. what? We'll give you, we'll let you slide on this little money you owe us and stuff. But, uh, are you the question I was going to have for you though? Is you're going to be able to do some shows at all? Do you want to get out and do shows for this record? Well, what I'm trying to do, we did a video for every song, mm-hmm. so I'm trying to compensate for lack of touring with more videos. We're going to Australia, uh, the end of May. Uh, wait a minute. Yeah, June, beginning of June. We got sold-out tours over there, concerts over there. And then we're just going to spot gig as much as we can. I got a big uh, festival we're playing in Chicago with everybody. All the bands will be out there. You know, I just say everybody now because now when you do a festival, literally everybody from Metallica, Slay, everybody's there. And we'll be there. And uh, we're going to hopefully get a couple gigs in in L.A. I mean, L.A. and some in New York and stuff. Um you know, I wanted to see where this album landed before we actually started booking shows. So uh, now that we got a hot album, uh, we can pretty much do what we want. Mm-hmm. You know, for a minute we were going to go out. Um, Dave wanted us to go out. We got Dave featured on this album. Dave Mustaine. Yeah, and he uh, he said, hey, I, this is how Dave talks. Ice, you want to go rock a couple of barns with us? <laughs> That's what he said. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, they're moving. So, you know. They're opening for Scorpions, too. They got dates opening for Scorpions. That's dope. Yeah. So, so fortunately, we're very well embraced by the rock community, whether we headline or whether we open. We just wanted to have the right material. Now you add this record with our catalog. And we can pack a set with hits. Oh, you got five albums now. Yeah, Absolutely. We can, but we can really, this record right here, we can almost play every song off of it in concert. And that's one of the ways I wrote it, too. I said, I want to make records that I want to perform. Right. We got a few minutes here left with Ice-T. Let's get a couple quick phone calls on for him. Uh, this is Donnie in West Virginia. He's been waiting a while. Go ahead, Donnie. Hey, Eddie. Hey, Ice motherfucking T, man. <laughs> What's up? What up, I'm baby? Like, I'm like Star Starstruck, man. I, I took my stepson to the Mayhem Fest a couple years back, and we was like front row, and he is just a diehard Ice-T fan now. That's I what's mean, up. That's, you know, it's uh, it's an honor to talk to you. I mean, that's what I said, Ed, Eddie, I've been listening to you forever. Thank you, man. And first time caller, you know, that's what I said, long time listener. But, Appreciate uh, it, Donnie. Thank you, I man. don't know where to uh, start. Ice is, uh, you know, I've been with you since like the original OG. You know, it's the whole thing. Then I heard you doing the rock album, and I was like, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. yeah well, you know what? I'm glad you brought your kid to the audience because when you have a band that's been out 25 years, we got to catch that new audience, you know? So we wanted to play the festivals and, you know, a lot of kids had never heard of us, but once they got a dose of the BC, they jumped right on board. So I'm, I'm glad you were able to turn your son on to something hardcore, you know, and fun at the same time. Alex, do I have time for one more call? We have one more quick call. We can get in here. This is Sam in Pennsylvania. Hi, Sam. You're on with Ice T. Hi, Ice. What hey. up, Sam? Uh, Tell you what, New Jack City is still always my favorite movie you were in. Thank you. 
My favorite thing Ice T's ever done acting wise is by far the Geico commercial. Gotta love that that's one, right? That's the best shit ever, man. I just that's hysterical. You know, they pitched that to me. They came at me. They said, We got idea, Ice. You know, you're sitting there, the kids don't know who the fuck you are, but the parents know who you are, <laughs> and you're watching them and everybody walks up and says Ice T and the kids are trying to sell lemonade and it's a breakdown of communication. I said, That shit's funny. <laughs> I said, funny. That's funny. It's never and, not funny. And you know, at this point in my career, you gotta have fun with it. You gotta you gotta be able to laugh at yourself. I'm yeah. dead serious about a lot of shit, but I have a sense of humor. Yeah, you know, and that's important. Sam, what's your question? Because we got a minute and a half before we gotta go. Back in the day, Ice, when you did Cop Killer, what, and he's went in the studio to do it. Was there anyone in uh, the record uh, company or in the band that was like, you know what, maybe we shouldn't touch this? Not, I remember that was such a hot. Not time. really. I was signed. I was signed to Seymour Stein, Howie, Howie Klein, up there at, at, at Sire, and I had a green light, and they was rocking with it. And you know, it was kind of like I came in the studio singing "Psycho Killer" by Talking Heads, and my drummer was like, "Man, they need a cop killer, man, because these cops is out of pocket," you know. And it was, it was, it was, it was a. a a, a, a basically a protest song. You know, I wasn't telling anybody to go out there and kill no cops, but, you know, it became a hit and it scared a lot of people. But, you know, that was a time in, uh, in our music history, a record that got banned. And, you know, the new album, I got a song called Black Hoodie, one called No Lives Matter. I'm tackling the same issues, just a little different perspective. Well, my thanks to Ice-T for joining me on the Eddie Trunk podcast. Check out the new Body Count album out there now. And also thanks to Ricky Rocket, who joined us earlier on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Connect with me, iTunes, and Podcast One is the place to get this podcast free each and every week. Connect with me on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or on Facebook, on the fan page, all at Eddie Trunk. EddieTrunk.com is the website. Trunk Report is the blog. Music news updated daily. So much more to check out on the site please be sure to do so. Both of my books, signed, personalized, sent out, just hit the books tab on eddytrunk.com. And be sure to listen to my daily show on volume, Sirius XM Channel 106, Talk and Rock with you live Monday to Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, replay every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time, and always on demand on the Sirius XM app. Hope you guys have a great week. I'll be back next Thursday for another all-new Eddie Trunk podcast, which Katie Irizarry is the producer of. Have a good one, everybody.
Roxy Diaz. And this is Nina Parker. Now, we are two pop culture veterans who love nothing more than talking about the latest trending topics. Now, we're talking about everything. The relationships, music, celebrities. And maybe the banana pics I get in my DM. <laughs> I don't know. We're talking about everything. All right. Now, you get to join us every week on our new podcast, Little Black Dress with Roxy and Nina. Check out new episodes on PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on iTunes. Guys, it's the Little Black Dress because every woman has one. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.